and the cyber risk, you need to have a very good handle on work with your IT professionals to say, well, how can we protect ourselves uh, using your expertise uh, to manage the risks by the way we do our business? And, and then insurance is the afterthought. Welcome to the business behind your business, conversations to help your business grow and thrive. Hi, I'm Paul Sweeney, founder of Predium Solutions, chartered accountants and certified business advisors, hosting the business behind your business. Welcome back. We hope you've been enjoying our series on cybersecurity with Luke Iacovelli and David Ferris. Thanks to Unitech IT Solutions, we have three copies of the book, Surviving the Rise of Cybercrime by Craig McDonald, to give away. To find out how you can win your copy, keep listening, and we'll tell you how to win at the end of this episode. We've been looking at cybersecurity and what it is, the risks for you as a business owner, and what you can be doing about it. And we had a chat last time with Luke and David about uh, how cyber insurance works. And the important question that we didn't answer last time was what happens when you need to make a claim? So I guess moving forward though, the, the key question that I think everybody's now asking is what happens if I do have to make a claim? What's the process? Um, well, I guess the, the key is if you're using a broker uh, and the broker has placed that risk transfer mechanism for you, engage with the broker straight away because some of the policies actually mandate that you utilise their forensics in the event of a claim because, one, they want to maintain some privilege in that process because it could be um, a rogue IT consulting company that's left open uh, portals for access to be uh, to be to be made, and so at the end of the day, you don't want that guy going in to try and mitigate a problem because it's going he won't be able to cover his trial. So there's, there's a process from the insurance point of view, but insurance companies do utilise the cybersecurity resources of the company's uh, own providers as they sort of interrogate what's happened. And what's the damage and what needs to be done from here? Because quite often the third-party provider will have access to backup facilities. So the key is if, if it's an insurance product, um, and, and uh, then you contact the broker first and they'll work with you in that next stage. If you're without insurance, I guess, Luke, they give you a call. Yeah, abs- yeah absolutely. You, you would definitely give your, your, your IT uh, provider a call straight away. And I guess from a technology perspective, I guess the first steps that we would do would be to immediately isolate whatever that cyber attack is, whether it's ransomware, whether it's a, you know, a phishing email or CEO fraud, whatever it might be, whatever type of cyber crime it might be, isolate that immediately. And then likewise, we also go through diagnostics to find out sort of where it came from you know, how did it come about? You know, we go back and check, you know, security measures and policies put in place, you know, and, and as I said, in previous podcasts, quite often it's, it's the user that clicks on the email, <laughs> um, you know, and that can be from a personal computer as well, which is also accessing corporate networks. So, you know, that whole BYOD, bring your own device concept is also an important one to consider. But then we go through that process to identify what that where that's come from, what the cause might be, and, um, 
and then if need be restore based on backups uh, which you know uh, off-site backups which uh, should be tested and working um, to to recover the company to a point where there's minimal downtime and minimal loss of data and then you know that might require some review process and then you know put some mitigation measures in place to, so to try and ensure that it doesn't happen again there's also a lot of examples you know online of you know companies big and small that have been you know hit um you know and targeted um you know and and so you know understanding what they look like and how the big companies respond sort of helps gauge how the smaller businesses would do so as well so what would be some of the steps involved so obviously we ring ring the broker if we don't have a broker we've got to go to it but let's say uh, what's a common common one so uh, somebody gets a, um effect, infected by ransomware Rans- yep denial of access a ransom demand yep so what would be the steps that they that would normally happen in that process? From a, a, an insurance perspective? Yeah, or? from an insurance, yeah. Well, what we, we're obliged, uh, and some companies are obliged, uh, depending on their size, for um, to notify a breach, a mandatory breach re- reporting. But the whole is we would engage directly with the forensic um, teams, the claims teams within their, their insurance company. And that starts a ball rolling, which is impossible to stop. <laughs> um, and so, it, it, and, and yeah, because they're exactly what Luke's talking about, the idea of they've got to uh, um, try and quarantine the loss as much as possible. So it's understanding. And this is at any time of the day because, um, you know, you could be working weekends or late at night. Uh, and so you've got to be able to have a response um, 24-7. So quarantining and then, um, and then forensically identifying uh, the cause and then how to uh, mitigate and eliminate um, because, you know, even when you're talking backups, I mean, this this infection could be existing in your system for 200 days. So it's in, you know, 10 months of backups still. So the backups have to be interrogated as well. So there's a process um, and, you know, the insurance companies are ready to roll. They know how to roll because it's important to act quickly. Uh, a, a couple of hours delay can can, can be extremely detrimental to a business and then without insurance policy if you're relying on your own risk management you engage your uh, cyber security experts um, your consultants and they would actually be doing probably exactly the same format the isolation identification thinking about the mitigation and then the controls in place to uh, to to restore mm. right so what sort of costs are covered in in the insurance claim process so the IT costs. You, you, you buy you buy a limit, all right, and and that limit's based on the exposure you have. But it, that covers the, the areas we spoke about about those response costs. So it covers those costs, uh, and those response costs could be paying a ransom, which we've seen many times. And quite often the ransoms paid in in um, cyber currency, cryptocurrency, because it's challenging to trace. <laughs> um, and, and then any other costs that are incurred to restore your business, yeah, because sometimes it could be nuisance, nuisance malware, which just makes your systems run harder and faster and wear them out. So any hardware costs, any physical costs, and then any of these um, defending legal action costs as well. So it's really any costs incurred as a result of the incident up to the limit that you buy. Okay. And, and Luke, just David just mentioned talking about the the – yeah, the, the ransomware could be hiding in your systems or, or making your systems work uh, harder in the background. 
my understanding is if, if you're engaged or like a, a managed service IT company is engaged, they'll be picking these um, variances up in their in their monthly monitoring well, of they, your system. They, they certainly should be. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So the, the, the purpose of managed services is a proactive response. So in many managed service packages, that there is agents that are installed on computers, servers, infrastructure, both on-premise or in the cloud. Um, including things like 365 and Azure and some of those cloud-based systems. And they monitor. They're monitoring, you know, user access. They're monitoring the machine itself. Um, there are a number of, you know, I call them the, the kind of the, the top three 365 security items, which is multi-factor authentication. There is an advanced management, uh, Azure Active Directory advanced management license, which provides a top-level reporting on user activity which also allows for you know uh, the ability to lock you know conditional access from you know uh, locations around the world that are selected by the business depending on how you operate and finally backup for 365 you know backing up the data that's also in the cloud you know not many people realize that your data that's sitting in 365 is not necessarily being backed up in fact it's actually not you know microsoft make that very clear in their T's and C's, which no one reads, but, you know, they don't tell you that your data is not backed up. You know, you need to engage with the third-party backup of that 365 data. So in the event of a compromise of some sorts, with all this monitoring and checking and testing of your backups and the security measures in place, you know, in a perfect world, theoretically, an attack happens, we should be able to restore your network to a point um, reasonably quickly with minimal downtime you know, and, and not necessarily needing to pay any of those ransoms. But, you know, that's not always the case. It's not always an, an ideal world, and it depends on the situation, um, which is where, I guess, the, you know, the insurance and the risk is absorbed by those insurance companies. But, yes, your IT provider should be doing those checks for you. They should be monitoring your networks, and they should be reporting back to you proactively whether there is any issues or whether there is anything that needs to be looked at. Mm. And as a business owner, you have a responsibility to actually review that information that you're getting from your IT provider and act on it when they do bring matters to your attention because mm. oh, we see a lot of uh, uh, what, what I call um, delegation turning into ab ab abdication of responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the IT person's looking after that. I don't need to worry about it. But mm. um, well, oh, we've got insurance, so we don't need to do anything. Mm. Um you do need to be proactive and uh, as a business owner, you're, you are responsible for the IT and the insurance, even if you outsource those responsibilities. So. Mm -hmm. I guess the real key here is that cyber risk is just one risk that's inherent in a business. And we, we always recommend that you, you need to take a proactive risk management control over all your business risks. And the cyber risk, you need to have a very good handle on and work with your IT professionals to say, well, how can we protect ourselves uh, using your expertise uh, to manage the risks by the way we do our business. And and then insurance is the afterthought. You know, it's not the risk management tool. Uh, you need to have your risk management, uh, cyber risk strategies in place uh, to service your business. And then the insurance becomes a simple fallback, that's all. Because you won't get insurance if you don't have those measures in place anyway. Um, and so it's just the fallback, it's not the solution. Yeah, that's a really good summary of, of the process, David. Yeah, mm. very helpful to have that. Uh, Luke, I think you've got some statistics about um, uh, what happens to small businesses that do have a cyber attack, how many actually recover. 
Oh, look, I mean, there's a lot of statistics out there and the numbers are, are, are staggering. Um, you know, uh, you know, somewhere in the vicinity of, you know, 60 to 70 percent of businesses that, that you know, uh, get sort of attacked by a cyber attack very often fail to recover or are unable to recover, you know, and, and, and we go back to that whole, you know, nine out of 10 times it's come from an email from a user, you know, uh, you know, and, and, and the small businesses, you know, whether they haven't invested in, in the security measures or, you know, have turned a blind eye to it, um, you know, they're the ones that will struggle. And in most businesses within six months, you know, uh, will, will suffer immensely from, um, from those attacks. Uh oh. So you know, it's 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 important to um to really understand those risks that David was talking about and how that impacts your business, but also as a you know as a business, talk to your staff. You know, ask them where do you think our risks are because every department's different and everyone's using different um different systems. So just really understanding that um you know and 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 help prevent you know uh, disruption to your business. It's actually a really good point, Luke, because the the biggest weakness in any of these systems are your people. <laughs> it's the the human error, and and engaging with your staff and having them on board and understand their obligations and responsibilities and the privilege they have in dealing with other people's information and let and and work with them on understanding their responsibilities for privacy and confidentiality. Because that weakest link is that one employee that opens that one email, which looks legitimate, um, can actually bring a, a system down. So, yeah, people, really important part of it. Absolutely. It's called the, the human challenge, you know, so <laughs> making, sure that, making sure that the staff are aware. And that comes down to sort of you know, awareness campaigns and other measures that can be put in place to help educate uh, and sort of bring to the forefront some of those challenges. Um, so that they know what to look for. Well, that email doesn't seem right. Let me do a couple of checks to make sure that it is legitimate or not. And even if it is legitimate and something still doesn't seem right, you know, just ask the questions or ju just to probe a little bit more to deter before you click on anything, just to make sure, because that, that that certainly can prevent, you know, a catastrophic disaster. And, and Paul, um, like uh, like Luke, we we've got an abundance of of resources and websites and things we can link people through to to gather more information and and uh, sort of learn more about this uh, this cyber uh, engineering sort of risk profile. And so, yeah, more than happy to to make those sort of sites and links available to, just to help educate people. Great. And so, David, if, if, if our listeners are interested to, to have a look at those resources, what's the best way for them to do that? Is, it, is there a website they should go to? Um, just uh, contact um, you know, well, the, the website, all the Ws, riskybusiness.com.au, um, and I can be accessed through there. Great. And Luke, uh, how do our listeners contact you if they need that strategic review of their IT exposure? Yeah, absolutely. So they can visit our website, which is unitech.com.au, uh, or they can give us a call on one three hundred IT help. Uh, we'll be happy to have that chat with them and and um, and guide them in the right direction. 
Great, fantastic. We'll put links to those contact details in the show notes. And thank you, Luke and David, for your time again today. It has been fantastic and a real eye-opener about some of the steps that need to be in place and some of the, the things that can actually be avoided by, by putting in a bit of work and, and getting your strategy uh, in place and, and, and reviewing it on a regular basis. So thank you for your time. I think it's been an absolutely great discussion and uh, I think everybody should be aware of what they need to do. Fantastic. Thank you. Right. Thanks, Paul. Good to see you. We hope you found our series on cybersecurity valuable. There are many actions that you can easily implement for your business. Uh, but if you've missed an earlier episode, you can find past episodes on our website, www.thebusinessbehindyourbusiness.com. Or you can follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Podchaser, and many more podcast players. So if you'd like to win one of three copies of the book Surviving the Rise of Cybercrime by Craig McDonald, this is what you need to do. Follow the business behind your business on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Share the link to this episode with your comment, uh, which includes hashtag the business behind your business podcast helps me run a great business. So there are three copies available. And if you'd like to check out more about the book, well, there is a link in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Do you have a question you'd like our team of experts to answer? If you do, send your question to podcast at thebusinessbehindyourbusiness.com. To hear more from The Business Behind Your Business, don't forget to subscribe using your favourite podcast player. Or you can visit the businessbehindyourbusiness.com website.